eat a croissant. <laughs> well, that's the cold open. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 19th episode of Octothorpe, a podcast for science fiction and science fiction fandom. I'm John Coxon. I'm Alison Scott. And I'm Liz Batty. Uh, we're tired. I'm not dead, though. That's good. You're not dead? No. Contrary to rumours that were propagated by a trio of degenerates at a closing ceremony for a recent convention, Liz lives. We thought it was funny. It was funny, but we were um, sleep-deprived and had been drinking. It was funny. I just want to, you know, set any rumours uh, to bed. I think we did clarify immediately because I think at the point where we put up that photo and said we're going to take a moment to remember Liz, some people in our audience might have actually been shocked for a few seconds. So we did we did want to correct that impression very fast. Well, yeah, we are great. We have had letters of comment. Um, so we will start with the letters of comment. Um, firstly... Claire Briley from Croydon collected her point for her house uh, by correctly identifying the reference. Um, and um, Claire Briley from Croydon also sent me uh, 108 Weetabix. So I must now take a bath with them. In them. Will this be... No, no. I can't. I can't hollow them out. <gasps> I can make them into a bath. I'm not. Just for the record, I'm not making a bath out of Weebix. Categorically, no. I think that would be a very special, very niche fanzine, John. <laughs> I also think that after Plockter's investigations into the efficacy of chocolate teapots, you might find that the efficacy of Weetabix baths is not that great. And that at the point where you put a liquid into your Weetabix bath, it would do the Weetabix thing. And you would then just kind of have uh, a pile of mush. Yeah, I mean, that that is one of the myriad of reasons that I am not going to make a bath of Weebix. It is true. Liz looks, I am very sad, listener, that you can't see Liz's face. Have you just exchanged myriad for plethora in your vocabulary now, John? Yes, because you kept telling me off for losing plethora. I think any members of the Octothorpe audience who would like John to take a bath in Weetabix should definitely write to us and let John know how ardently they desire to see him taking a bath in Weetabix. I'm going to take a bath with my... I'm going to take a bath with my Weetabix. Uh, that is going to happen. In his Star Wars underpants. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I could not say that without corpsing. I need to say it again with, with, without corpsing. I think you corpsing makes the point wonderfully, Alison. In his Star Wars underpants. Uh, at least now we've got the episode title, so that's good. <laughs> You've got it both ways. And and now, of course, you need to mention the, the lock on the convention that, that mentioned, them, which we're probably going to do anyway. We were not actually recording at the point where you said that Noel, I think it was, had observed your... Star Wars underpants in your convention Zoom background, which feels like a comment on the convention. Oh, I thought you said no one spotted them. No one noticed. Noel didn't notice. Oh, Unless I you just... did. Noel, if you're listening, right in. Um... <laughs> I'm just going to wash my... We're going to have to use a screenshot from the YouTube on um, 
Yeah. Basically, every every panel or program item I did at um, punctuation, there was a pair of my Star Wars underpants drying on my radiator in my room that I zoom from. And so, yeah, if you were an eagle-eyed viewer, you may have noticed my apparel um, adorning my um, my view. Um, but, you know, they're dry now, so they, they're in the airing cupboard. Because you put dry things in a warm cupboard to make sure, I think. I don't have an airing cupboard, but, I mean, effectively, I, I could say I live in a giant airing cupboard, so... I mean, what, I've never heard anyone call Tiny. Yeah. <laughs> I was going for the same joke, but Alison beat me to it. <laughs> Dabum dish. Claire also criticises my use of the word onboarding, uh, and I promise to immediately deplane my use of that word. Uh, what, what was wrong with your use of the word onboarding? I don't think Claire thinks it's a real word. Oh, well, that's because Claire is an old person. Onboarding is clearly a real word. It It works. Everyone knows what it means. It's we were onboarding people to the convention tech stack. My plan, my plan, my future plans going forward is not to use the word onboarding again. Going forward is also on the list of, of I know English phrases that old people don't like. As is forward planning. Oh, well, forward planning is actually an oxymoron, isn't it? Because you're right. Yes. Because <laughs> you should, probably shouldn't spend any time backward planning. And, and um, yeah, forward planning is just f- planning. But it, but it's like these people don't understand the use of adjectives to provide emphasis. They literally don't, John. Exactly, they literally don't. Which is odd, because metaphorically they do. Um, right, so, having safely ensured that we will get at least one letter of comment next episode, let's progress to the next one. <laughs> I think we're going to get um, 12. <laughs> <laughs> just one letter of comment from claire like at 15 second intervals as she gets progressively more irate <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe she'll be distracted by the thought of you in a bath of weetabix we were onboarding her ratitude <laughs> um who's right. corpsing now john we got we got an we got a letter of comment ah. helena mccallum sent us a letter of comment saying, regarding the punching game, if it was multiplayer, we could bring back the classic small fun convention gag of boxing Helena if VR didn't make her very ill. So, yeah, I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is, Alison? Um, If you had come to our panel item on small fun conventions, and actually, pop pickers, there's a few days to still watch our YouTube videos um, after this podcast goes live but before we take them down um which we'll talk about at some point because i want to say something about captioning as well so i'm actually anyway if you'd gone to the item that we ran on small phone conventions at um punctuation john you might have been a bit busy but it's one of the ones that i have watched again because we have the punctuation equivalent of iplayer for yes. a couple of weeks, which I really love because I'd never, there is no way on earth I'd go to a panel at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning in the real world. But I have now watched that panel and very thoroughly enjoyed it. And they did talk a little bit about um, Dan Finecon, which was a convention I was at and which was one of the small fun conventions that happened, um, I think, not necessarily over May Bank holiday, um, but was a Twin Peaks themed convention. And it made a number of David Lynch jokes because Twin Peaks. And because Twin Peaks was not in itself funny enough to sustain an entire weekend, though, it was pretty good. You know, there was a lot. We we ran a bat. Stephen and I ran a workshop 
at that convention on talking backwards because that's a thing that um, Twin Peaks has quite a lot of. Um, I am digressing. and You did, oh. Because David Lynch also did a film called Boxing Helena and they had somebody who was called Helena, which is quite close. They put her in a box, um, as you do. I now, I now understand. No, I haven't had a chance to go back through the panels. There are several I do need to do that with, um, but I have basically the last week has been spent doing as little as possible. Yeah, so the the other, th- I, I do want to try and catch nearly everything. I've, I've done about a third of them now, so. Bloody hell. Fair enough. Um, I shall watch that one, though. So I've been quite good. But that's because, remember, I have a job at which I need something to listen to and while I'm working, which makes a difference. We have a final letter of comment from Roman Orzanski, who um, writes with regards to setting lakes on fire. Um, there are two clear reasons why you might not want to set a lake on fire. Firstly, Christina wouldn't like it. And secondly, it would set off an alarm bell if you did so. I would have thought that obvious, surely, Roman says. I just liked I just liked the pun of set off and alarm bell and set off an alarm bell. I thought that was a good pun. So thank you, Roman. Yes, it was good. It's pretty good as far as puns go. It was in the fine tradition of, of puns. I like when I like when Liz we should have a podcast which is just Liz reviewing puns. Oh god, can we please not have a podcast which is me reviewing puns? <laughs> um, I've heard some skanky explanations for why a podcast happens in my time, but that's pretty bad. <laughs> anyway, we do also have one more letter of comment, but it's a little... Well, I say we. I have a letter of comment, which I'm going to talk about on the show because I can't talk about it in a fanzine, and that's because it was a letter of comment on my TAF report from Mark Plummer, who Ooh. titled the email most john title imaginable um which is good uh there's i i very much enjoyed your letter thank you very much um for writing it uh mark but i will say my favorite uh line was i had completely forgotten that i'd interviewed you in reno indeed i'm not sure i can remember it even now that you've reminded me and rather the best i can hope for is that i will now remember that you told me i interviewed you and so it must have happened and i i like that um but yes also he pointed out a mistake i'd made in the text which i might just leave in because <laughs> uh, i don't know uh but we'll see it's a deliberate error you're just checking to see if people are reading the report properly sort of that sort of thing um and and also just a note that you can buy my tough trip report now it's a fiver if you buy it from my website or it's about 20 pounds if you buy it from lulu and then once you get it you can put a word in from it as a discount code on my website to get a free copy of the PDF, um, like one of the old instruction manuals from a 1970s computer game. I was very proud. That's quite nifty. End of plug. Yeah, by John's TAF report. TAF reports are cool. Trip reports are cool. The fan funds are cool. Have we done anything recently to raise money for the fan funds, boys and girls? I finished my TAF report, Alison. We literally just talked about that. <laughs> no, we ran a convention. Sorry, it was intended to be a segue, John. Oh, were we on? Were we onboarding people to the discussion about our convention? Segway. A segway is a term for an onboarding activity in a podcast. <laughs> we ran a convention. Um, uh, it was good. 
We, I, I, I mean, it's going to be a while before I've got my energy back. I think the committee are all talking to each other still. I think that's right. We haven't checked with Steve. Yeah, yeah. Steve, if you're not talking to us, please write in and let us know. If there's something we need to wrap up that you know about, you should get in touch. Yes, we need to. Um, so we need to um, announce the results of the um, charity split. So we we are giving our excess is going to effectively going to some charities and then also to um, fan funds and efforts to run more punctuations if we decide that we want to do that. Alison will make me um, wash my mouth out with soap at this juncture. But we are dispersing our funds to the Good Things Foundation, Shelter, the Stephen Lawrence Trust and the Swad Lifeline. Each each of us picked a cause um, and then um, we asked members to vote on the causes. And so we will be splitting the monies between the charities in accordance with the percentages of the votes. And because we ran the convention in a very cheapskate sort of way, I think all of those are going to get a moderate amount of money because it turns out that it doesn't cost a fiver ahead to run a convention in a very cheapskate way. Yes. Yeah. How much do we think it costs us? Oh, I know the answer to that. Yeah, two hundred pounds, give or take. Okay. So. So all in all, I believe we spent one hundred and eighty-four pounds and fifteen p. Um, that's all of the things that the committee put in the split wise so um, if there's anything that isn't counted in there we haven't yet got like the receipts together and stuff but um, yeah so under 200 pounds we will eventually put out some sort of post-con thing that details you know what we spent money on and um, uh, kind of how we did things and why we did things and what people thought about the things we did Um I was going to do this bright and early on the Monday after the convention, but it turns out I didn't want to. So I haven't yet. <laughs> I love the fact that John, who had never run a convention before, was kind of, after the con, we will do all these things. And everyone who had run a convention was was like, traditionally, this does not happen to the extent you think it will. Though I have had less post-con slowdown after this convention than any other convention I have ever been involved in by miles. So I think that's quite good. I have done activities this week. I have not been that tired. I would have had less slowdown except that I felt very ill on the Sunday night, um, which is in some ways very good because it means it was a proper convention, but in some ways was a little bit of a pain because I did not want to feel very ill on the Sunday night. You wanted to stay up for partying till for, till after Liz got up. Liz got up and then regretted having to go to work on Monday morning. I did. Liz, what did you think of our convention? I thought it went quite well. It was certainly much less work than running a 200-person convention in person would be because there was just a whole host of stuff we didn't have to bother about at all. I think it went relatively smoothly. I don't think we had, which I says, I don't think we had any reports to our listeners team that I know about. I don't think anyone came to the committee with any urgent problems. So in many ways, running a two-day convention online is much, much easier than running one in person. Not that I've ever run a 200-person convention. I seem to have skipped that phase and gone straight to the big ones. Um, 200 people, 200-person conventions are reasonably chill in person, but Obviously, 
those 200 individuals can have things go wrong in their lives over the course of the weekend that need the convention's attention and do sometimes. So so there normally are things that do actually go wrong. You would want you would want slightly more people. Um, I, I think that I really noticed that when something did go wrong, you were kind of right at your desk in the place you could fix it. Whereas at a convention, it's very common that your committee member is needed to sort out a problem at the far end of the hotel. So, so your problem solving consists of stopping what you're doing and going to a different place and then learning about the problem and dealing with it and then returning to where you were before, at which point something else would have gone wrong. And I, I feel that that we didn't really, that when stuff got went wrong, there was always a committee member right there at their desk ready to sort it out. That is extremely true. So, for instance, when our, our you know, we're having a problem with the streaming solution, the solution is one of the committee logs in from their desk where they are and fixes it. It's not like if your projector breaks down, you have to go running around to find the three people who know where the spare projector bulbs are and change the bulb or whatever. It's more like, oh, I'll just log in and, oh, yeah, it's running again. Fine. So, yeah, it is a lot easier from that standpoint. People were very nice about the convention. Nobody was horrible about the convention. That's lovely. There are, of course, things we do differently next time. I think the biggest, I think our programme was fine but i think the biggest downside to the short lead time was that one of the things you could do with a longer lead time for a small convention is build interesting program that takes weeks or months to sort out and i think that was harder for us and i think we could have you know you could do more in that space if you'd had more lead time that's the only thing i'm not sure you could do much more in the other ways by having a longer lead time but that thing i think you could have done so i think yeah i think i think there are things we would do differently um i think next time the thing i would want to try and do is um a better job of getting um, members' information into the database we were using. Um, that was not particularly trivial to do. And um, the way we took payments added a lot of work to our lives that was potentially um, not necessary and added stress. Um, I will say that it reduced stress in the sense that the way we took payments meant that we didn't have to think about it. It just worked, and that was very nice. But what it did mean was that we got hardly any information, which then meant we had a lot more work to do in other aspects. I'm hopeful that there would be a way to have it just work with payments and have it just work with people filling in the membership form. Um, but that will be something we investigate um, if we run another one. Um what else did I think we could have done a little bit better? Um, and I think we need to do, we might need to do like a couple of test panels um, next time for new Wranglers. Because I was a little bit, I think there's no substitute for actually actually wrangling a real panel. Um, we did do kind of workshops prior to the convention, but I think we perhaps needed to do more more high stress workshops that sounds like a weird thing to say but i do wonder whether we needed to more thoroughly onboard our program ops people um but um yeah but again that's something we'd know for next time i think i can mention one that john mentioned which was that john thought that having two versions of the Airtable program was um wasn't perfect and i i kind of got what he said but i'm not 
I'm not sure I agree. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm saying I'm sure I don't agree, but I think there's things we could do. We made the decision to use to publish the programme on Airtable very, very late um, because we'd been kind of looking at other solutions for printing a schedule and they were all way complicated and cost money. I think that's and that's not too strong a statement, is it, Liz? Or both. Way complicated or cost money or both. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily way complicated. It's more that if we are doing everything in the Airtable and then we have to take the data out of the Airtable and put it into whatever other scheduling thing we are using, then as soon as you start making changes, you now have to update changes in two places and that becomes a massive hassle. You really want to have one central store. And since the Airtable was our working program, it was trivial to update it. Whereas if we start having some kind of link from Airtable to... Uh, shed say then we really need to start working there and changing everything there and so that just changes your workflow also money and i think we discovered very late that the basic output of airtable was an adequate program publication for a small convention again that was we didn't nobody said they hated it so i think that was probably all right i thought it worked very very well but the reason i thought the the problem I thought it had was that I had com- conversations with two or three people through the weekend that they hadn't, they were not sure why when they went to the punctuation program, sometimes it had the links to program items and sometimes it didn't. And I think it's one of those things where I completely see it saved us an awful lot of time. And I think I understand why we did it that way. But I think next time... I think I would want to only ever publicise the programme in places where only members could see it and maybe have like a uh, kind of provisional programme on the website with a note saying this programme might not be up to date. Please check for the most recent version in the Discord. Just because I think it was confusing to some people that there were two versions and it wasn't clear why there were two versions or how you got from one to the other and the answer was you didn't you had to go on the discord and find the other link and i just but it might have been that we could have communicated that better um it's just something i think we need to be aware of for next time that it could potentially be a point of pain yeah so so my view is that the that having the online program be correct all the time which it what it was correct within tiny tiny yeah details all of the time was so useful um that um that it made up for everything <laughs> made up for anything else but it would be good to be able to embed the program in a web page that said note this version of the program doesn't have the links to program items for that you'll need to go to either your member's email or or the discord to get the, the version that's got the links because that's our paywall in so far as we had one but I think having the whole program on the on the web is quite good for people, except obviously no link. That ties into what I think we could have done better, which is to have a website which had everything within it. So you join through our website. You can then log in and see the schedule and see the links and get a link to the Discord. Give us your member information, change member information. You know, just have one unified website. And basically, we didn't really have that because we just had a WordPress site, which was extremely easy for us to handle we should say we just had a wordpress.com site um and what we probably should have had was a wordpress.org site but by the time we worked out this we discovered that you can't move your url for 60 days after registering it this is like one of these really technical things 
ironically, the thing Liz is proposing we should have done would have been much easier to do on a WordPress.com site than a WordPress.org site because WordPress.com provides you with all the tools because we were using the WordPress.com membership scheme and you can make pages that are only visible to members because WordPress.com is designed around that kind of workflow. Um, Have we just had a slapping our forehead moment? No, I think it would have been it would have been so much more admin for no... I think it would... Because the thing... Getting our program to people who were members was easy. It was it was having a second version of the program that was available to the public that was hard. Having members-only pages on the website wouldn't have helped. I don't think that addresses the pain point I saw. Okay, so maybe what you're saying is actually what we should have done is just had published the program published the program once for the purposes of getting people into the convention, but then. Um... Yeah, and with a with a big banner saying like, "Please don't take this as the official program. This is just the advert. The official program is in the paywall." Because I think, but yeah, but I think these are all things. Our the reason we didn't do much with the website is because I think it would have added quite a bit of admin for not much gain. But I'd be keen to hear from people who disagreed, and it's one of the questions I want to ask in my big feedback form. Yes, that's what you were going to do this week. I remember. <laughs> I am working on it. It exists. but I think one of our key issues was we sent people to a lot of places. Like they went to the website to join and then they got a link to the Discord to log in. And then somewhere in the Discord, there was a link to an Airtable that told you where the program was. And then that sent you to a Zoom and that sent you to a YouTube. Um, and I don't know if there's a way to just streamline this and make it all kind of more obvious what the workflow is i mean possibly doing literally everything through discord would have been better so you can only get the program through discord but this would have then you know not been friendly to everyone who really doesn't like discord but just i think sometimes we were like well if you check your email you've got a link to the air table which tells you where you can go to the zoom and then when you're on the zoom you can then discuss it in the discord if you like it gets a bit like lots and lots of platforms on top of each other yeah, I think we could have done a better job of having the current set of places you might want to go visible at the top of the Discord all of the time. Yeah, I think so. It was difficult because I, I heard people say like, oh, there are a lot of places to go to. Um, so we used primarily three platforms, which was we were using Discord for the spine of the convention. We were using Zoom for interactive program items and um sort of uh, parties and the bar and we'd be using well if you're a panelist we were using Streamyard, but if you were a person in the audience we were using youtube um for the panels and i think the thing is that each of those three options represents a solution to a problem that the other two doesn't solve so like discord is persistent in a way that youtube and zoom aren't so it's very useful to have the discord as like the persistent spine of the convention zoom allows much better audio visual chat and social space than discord does and youtube allows um, much easier streaming you can cast it to your tv very easily in a lot of cases um you get the youtube chat which integrates with Streamyard, so the panelists can like respond to the chat and stuff and so each of them had a thing we needed that the other two didn't have and i think the problem when you start trying to combine them is that you end up finding that the software that tries to do the things like so if we came up with a list of all the things we needed and tried to find one piece of software that did it i think the problem is those pieces of software are usually not very good or very expensive and the problem with doing it at five or ahead is that is a whole 
that is a bad choice. Um, I re- I think that, but I think it's something to bear in mind that people did find it too much. I will also say, um, on top of that, that one of the people kept suggesting ways we could make it easier. And every time someone suggested something, someone would suggest the exact opposite thing two posts later. So someone would be like, you could just turn the YouTube chat on and have all the chat in Discord. And then someone was like, I'm so glad there's the YouTube chat because I really hate having the Discord open when I'm watching panels. And it's like, the problem is that you can streamline it, but I do wonder whether the problem with going to lots of places would be um, is a bad problem that we do need to think carefully about. But I do wonder whether people would have found it more frustrating if we had gotten rid of a a a place that they enjoyed going in favor of a place they didn't yeah i mean i i think giving people a lot of choices for how to interact with the convention was part of the design philosophy of the convention but we could maybe have done a bit more about getting that word out to people i think we need better signposting for sure no and i think i think liz is entirely right which is even if even if for all the reasons even if we think about it really hard and we decide that it was inevitable, it is still it was still obviously um a undesirable aspect which if we if we find a way of fixing we should try to address. Um I just wanted to give like listeners some context as to why why we didn't why we didn't kind of come out of the gate having addressed it already, if that makes sense. Um but I think Liz is completely right that if you were at the convention and you haven't found it already, there's a next time thread in Discord which was designed to capture your first impressions, but you can still post to it at the moment. I don't you'll probably still be able to post to it on Thursday. The Discord is not causing us any problems at the moment. I think we can also take feedback directly by writing to the con or yeah, or messaging any of us. Yes. And John is going to do a giant form which he's going to send out to everyone before people have totally forgotten the convention. Yes, it will be, it will, if you haven't had it by the time you listen to this episode, it has gone into your spam folder. So please let me know and I will send you another link. That's a strong commitment, John, strong commitment. That is. Thank you. That's good. Rachel Livermore, as part of her massive burst of post-con enthusiasm before she came down, said that her next project was going to be designing a front end to stitch all of these good free services and cheap services together to make a better convention experience so um yeah no i hope she's getting on with that but she she kind of said it on about like in the immediate post ineffable period where she was probably still very excited about options so no um no one would blame her for having a little bit of a breather uh, after Ineffable Con 2. Rachel gave a talk at a convention about conventions, um, which was the same weekend as punctuation. Um, and we will put a link to that talk in the show notes if we are able to find it. I want to say a little bit more about um, Virtual Con because it was a convention about running virtual conventions, kind of as if SmofCon had gone virtual, but but not. Um, SmofCon is going virtual, but they're talking about running real conventions because that's what they do. They are talking a bit about running virtual conventions. But this convention, I was involved in the setup of the convention and was obviously very excited about it. And then they decided to hold it on the Sunday of punctuation, about which I was not excited at all, <laughs> and, and blew a big virtual raspberry. But I mean, that's not obviously it's not their fault. 
No. But I was sad. I can imagine. And so Rachel did a talk at it and um, and there were several other talks and they are all available online. So if you're interested, I, I suspect that other people are not as interested in the nuts and bolts of running virtual conventions as we are. So, um, but we will put that link into the show notes. I also think that we kind of made the decision that we were going to run everything through Discord. And so we were in Discord planning things and people trickled into the Discord. But I think we didn't say we thought we said this often enough and early enough but we we didn't say often enough and early enough please come to the discord and get involved and the second thing i would say is that running a virtual program for a two and for a 200 person convention is not that much less work than running a real one except the scheduling is easier at the moment because most of our participants did not have a lot of pressing engagements outside the house right now um mm. so that was a lot easier but it, it meant that we you know, people didn't get involved early enough. And so maybe we had a smaller pool of people who we knew were willing and able to be uh, called on. You have the same problem of if you have a smaller group of people, then you can't really get into the super niche areas unless you know you have the people for those super niche areas and the really niche discussions. And if we got people together earlier, maybe we would have found the five people who are interested in something really obscure and interesting to get them all together to talk about it. We could have taken a link, despite the fact that we decided we weren't going to have a guest of honour or anything like that. We could have taken a link from Mexicon's book. We know that science fiction authors are pretty happy to come along to virtual conventions if you um, if you get in touch with them and ask them. And we didn't really do a lot of that. And we probably could have done some of that to, to shift our programme more over to the... We could have invited... We did invite a couple of interesting people, but we could have invited a few more interesting people if, again... This is a more time thing. I, I think a little bit longer to plan would probably have been a benefit. Yes. Yeah, and I would end by saying that I was really happy with the programme we had and I saw some really great stuff and I think everyone who was on it uh, did really interesting things. Uh, but we, we could have had a little more time to plan it and maybe a bit more time to put together the stuff that needed more time to be put together. Yes. Having said that, our programme was about the right size. It was about the size I'd envisaged it being or maybe slightly bigger. And it had and almost everything on it was really interesting. So there's a, a good question about, well, where would you cut things? So I, I realised I, I, I forgot something that we needed to mention in the things that didn't go so well. We didn't sort out a rotor for manning the persistent bar and the persistent bar didn't persist except at times when there was someone in there either there was a scheduled item in it or there was someone in there persisting it it persisted very nicely whenever there was somebody to take charge to look after it but people would sort of come along see that there was nobody there and go away again which kind of makes sense that happens in the real world as well but for next time i would absolutely staff that bar the whole time i i just have somebody who was whose job title was bartender i don't know why i didn't i yeah i think <laughs> so that's think a learning point thing, for next time i think another thing is we had um so for those who weren't on the committee we had three zoom accounts running punctuation we had the big zoom which was called the space bar um we came up with that name uh about two hours before the opening ceremony so there was a brief period where not everything said spacebar and our messaging was slightly poor but uh we enthusiastically embraced it and it was good um and then we had zoom one and zoom two uh to run the program items in um i will say obviously like there were some program items that went for quite a long time and started chats but then like 
if you went for more than about 90 minutes, you kind of needed to wind down so that the next program item in that Zoom could come in and start setting up. And I do wonder whether there'd be mileage, especially for some of the more conversational items in having just had them in breakout rooms in the space bar. Um, And I do wonder whether that's something we could do next time. We did put things in breakout rooms in the space bar and we probably should have done more of that. Um, There is a slight, there's a kind of technical problem, which is that you can't change the names of breakout rooms um, except by closing the breakout rooms, which in practice was fine because there were often, there were times when nobody was in the bar but in principle would be a horrible thing to do. Um, so in back in the real world, hotel rooms, hotel conference spaces have names. So we could have said, your item will be at two o'clock in X, where X is the name of a breakout room within the Zoom. Um, yes, and so. we could have named them um, the Weetabix breakout room. And another one, I don't know. I ran out of steam with that. That, that yeah, felt like one of those jokes that... that yeah, it needs workshopping. Listeners, if you can construct a good if you can construct a good joke out of what I just said, please write it and we'll read it out on the cast. Excellent. Yeah, so that that dovetails that dovetails quite nicely into kind of discussing what we thought went well. Um I I I mean I think this now we need to be careful because obviously we ran a convention in the sort of way that we would quite like veggies to happen. And so we may be biased. I also don't want it to sound like we're just massively patting ourselves on the back, uh, despite the fact that that is what we will be doing for the next 10 to 20 minutes. So strap in, listeners. Um, But basically, I think for me, it was the closest we've gotten to a convention that felt like a British convention in cyberspace. And in general, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the programme partly because I suggested all the program items I wanted to see and then watched them, which is cunning, and I recommend it to anyone. Um, it turns out you just write ideas to the program team, and if they're good ideas, you get to watch them later. Life hack. Um, Who knew, eh? This this even works at conventions you're not officially involved with. I've been doing it at EasterCons for years. You just suggest four or five game panels, hope you don't get put on all of them, and then you've got some good panels to go to. It's grand. I will even extend John's hack for people who don't know. It is possible to fill in a program questionnaire for a convention and say, actually, I don't want to be on the program at all, but have you considered doing X, Y, and Z, which are all panels that have either A, worked really well in the past, or items, not panels, and I'll talk a bit about that in in a minute, items that have worked really well in the past, or B, things I've been dying to see and that I know the X convention is capable of doing, but I haven't yet seen it at a convention. And th- that does work very well in stimulating the thinking on the programme team. I mean, they may not do it, but they not, may not be able to do it for reasons you haven't thought of, but they might well take your ideas up, particularly for a larger convention where there are more spaces on the programme. Um and yeah, so so I liked the program and I also liked the social spaces and hanging out in the bar and, and having drinks and also breakfast. Really liked breakfast. Thought that was thought that worked well. And surprisingly, doing park run while voice connected to Discord in the pouring rain. Several people joined Discord voice before I set off and joined again after I got back. Um but it was it was really fun to run through the park like with people even if it was virtually um yeah it was it was damn good fun i was a bit i was a bit worried it might be spectacularly crap but only quite funny 
but it was actually super fulfilling. So yeah, there's a Discord server for it now and everything. Hurrah. So those were my highlights, I think. Liz, what did you think worked well about the convention? I just had a nice, reasonably low-stress weekend. I thought that was good. Like, as far as being convention committee goes, I haven't done it that often, but it was, for me, certainly lower stress than it has been in the past. Um, You stayed up too late. I did stay up too late, but that's because I knew that was going to happen, right? There's no way that I'm going to help run a convention which is in a different time zone and only go to, like the six hours of it that are actually during my normal waking hours, obviously I was always going to stay up late. Um, but it is still weird that like everyone else is like, so I think it was Saturday night when I had assumed I would go to bed long before the cheese tasting started. And I did not, I was still awake. And so I had not prepared any cheese. And that was a bit sad because everyone was eating cheese and I did not have any cheese, but it was also, I think one thirty, So it was probably not a good time to be eating cheese. But I did really like it. I found a sort of smaller breakout room with just a few people and we had a little bit of discussion of cheese and a little bit of discussion of wine and just a nice friendly chat. And I have missed those sort of convention chats with people that I only really see at conventions. But this time, noticeably, some of my chats were, um, I monitored the big Zoom over breakfast and breakfast was me and some Australian and New Zealand fans that I hadn't chatted to a huge amount in the past. And we had a very nice sort of little breakfast conversation. I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the sort of crafty uh, meet and greet, partly because people were in like their craft rooms where they had all their stuff. So they could not only show some of their current projects, they could show like the things they've been doing over lockdown because they'd have like the the past 10 projects or whatever to hand because they were in their houses where you had them. So you got more of an idea of what people had been doing than if it was just sort of a stitch and bitch style one at a convention and you bring the thing you're working on and show it you could do a bit more of that um i thought the technical side worked about as well as could be expected which is i think we had i felt we had remarkably few issues with getting people up and running on Streamyard and zoom compared to what i feared which is that it was going to be like every you know it was going to be every technical nightmare that anyone has had over the past six months of you know screen sharing failures and lack of sound and lack of video and lots of oh is this thing on and is it working and actually I thought it went pretty well and I think that worked quite well I was quite glad we found StreamYard which I found from a recommendation from the roguelike uh, conference where I was reading up about it because they had that nice mud and they said they used StreamYard um, and it just seems to be pretty simple to use and you can stream to YouTube and you can stream to Twitch and they actually recommended streaming to YouTube because the signal degrades nicely so it's a lot easier to say okay just show me this at low res if your connection is a bit dodgy and my connection sometimes is a bit dodgy so that was quite crucial to me i think some of the people who were suggesting that we do more technical things including zoom probably i'm fairly sure we had members who watched things on youtube and nothing else and and you probably won't hear as much from them because they're not in the Discord and they're not on the Zooms. But there are people for whom YouTube is a technology they understand and Zoom and Discord aren't are a valid a valued part of especially the British fan community. And, and I would and I, I like to think that by having some stuff on YouTube I mean, I think at this point in the cycle of the world, everyone can manage YouTube, right? I mean certainly certainly if certainly you are not excluding a large part of the bell curve if you if you set up around youtube i think that's 100 percent true 
Um, and I think it's a good point. Um, it's one of the things I'm hoping to find out with my big evaluation form. Do you have to be logged into your YouTube account to comment on YouTube, which I think did put some people off commenting on the YouTube um, yes. So they didn't want their like accounts to be publicly used, but then they could come in and comment on Discord, which was fine. It meant we had this sort of bifurcated comments going on. I, I mean, I will say that it is possible to have many Google accounts and it is also possible to have within one Google account more than one YouTube account. So I have both of these. I have two YouTube accounts on my primary Google account. But no, so I will say that I, I do appreciate there were people who said that they didn't want to comment on YouTube, but that's why we had the Discord open. And there were people who said they didn't want to comment on Discord, and that's why we had the YouTube open. And I think if we had closed either one, the group of people who had been preferring to comment on that one would have been annoyed at us, um, which is one of the reasons why we didn't close either one. Um, I, I strongly suspect that there are different people with different priorities who who had strong preferences there um and it like it was a little bit of work for the um wrangler in each panel to keep an eye on both chats but there was a reason we did it like that so what i think well, well i had a lovely time i i liked the fact that it came despite the fact that we gone it's a british convention we're doing a british thing it actually came closest to being the permanent floating global party of my dreams of stuff that I've done so far and I do quite want to run a permanent floating global party of my dreams at some point that would require a, a much more global team to run it um I but we did in fact have members from Australia who were propping up the bar at breakfast time and we had members from the west coast of the United States who were keeping that bar open extremely effectively in the early hours of the morning and everything in between and that was quite nice. Um, it wasn't true that we never closed but we did have a, a nice long patch of enjoyment. Um, I thought a lot of our individual program items which we did do some things that you can't do in a real space. We had some talks that were that would have been different, to, difficult to deliver because people were talking about stuff where they had stuff to have. This was something we'd observed from Zealand had some talks where people were talking about something practical that it's useful to have props to hand. And, and I think that we did some of that. We had things like the trip to the fan museum that everyone loved to bits um, that, again, you just don't get to do those things um, in the physical world. We had um, the collaborative jigsaw, I want to shout out, was successful beyond my wildest dreams. And I now know of three servers that have acquired collaborative jigsaws since um, since punctuation. So, you know, that's clearly something that people like. Um, I really liked that I could find people to chat to at whenever I pretty well whenever I wanted to chat. Um, I liked the fact that people were very appreciative of the ribbons and I really liked the fact that um, that people noticed, lots of people noticed that the ribbons changed to Sharpie if you joined the convention after five o'clock on Friday. And somebody even observed it was probably more work to do a ribbon with Sharpie on it than it was to do a ribbon on with the, the original ribbon font we'd been using, which was true. So that was fun. Um, a learning is that I should definitely have done the ribbons longer in advance. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah. I can't really just do... I can't split things. Everything I think this was good, I think this was bad at the same time. I think there's quite a few things where I was like, yeah, this was great and we should have really thought about it. 
you know, a week in advance of when we did think about it. Oh, there was loads of stuff that we didn't really think about until two minutes before we did it. Several people, there's quite a bit of feedback about it would have been useful to have this earlier. And I'm like, it would have been useful to have thought of it earlier. <laughs> yeah, every time it was all said, like, oh, it would have been useful to have more like notice of this. I was thinking, yeah, for us too. <laughs> like, believe me, of all the people who are aware of the fact that we could have used a bit more time to plan, we, we were very aware of that. Uh, but But also... Because you've because we've not done it before. When you when you're doing the second or subsequent of something, you you have a kind of starting point of all the ideas that other people have had, and we did get some ideas. Um, Claire Boothby ran an amazing treasure hunt for us, and I think if you haven't if you haven't done it, it's worth going into Discord and seeing all the imaginative and interpretive ways people delivered their treasure hunt clues because they were they were fantastic and very entertaining um claire, and also claire boothby did a great job claire boothby did a fantastic job for us i think pulling in nasfix she'd used the code base from nasfix treasure hunt was basically the idea and um and i think that actually showed gave me a sense of where people were because it, because because a lot of the things asked people to go outside the house, you got a sense of how all of our members fit within their local environment. And I would like to, I would like to lean into that another time. I'd like to see more stuff that took people outside of. I mean, I guess we know what people's studies look like now, but actually taking people outside of that space to show their environment. Yeah. So. Um... I, I think I think we've talked um, probably for, lo- for long enough about what we what we liked, um, but I do want to note that, like from what we've all said, it it does sound to me like one of the themes in what we liked was the interactivity. Like you've both mentioned the kind of the crafting rooms and the social spaces and the interactive program items quite a bit, and and I do think that makes me happy because one of the things we were setting out to try and do was do something that was a little bit more interactive than than some things that have been happening previously and and i think i hope that we did manage to do that i mean obviously people whom this was your first online convention won't have a point of reference but hopefully people who have been to a couple um will have recognized where we were trying to kind of um encourage that so hopefully to be that fair, well. we're all people for whom our model will have worked because we designed it. Yes. Yes. That has been the 19th episode of the Octothought podcast. It is goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. I would say that one of the things I did for the first time at punctuation that I've not done before, and this is an indication of how it wasn't as much work as running a real con, because often when you run a real con, you don't really do anything at the convention that's not running the convention, um, is I played Among Us for the first time, which is a social card game, social board game. Yes, John? Yes, it's sort of... It's kind of werewolves in space. And I was so crap at it. How crap at it was I, John? You weren't as crap as you thought you were, but still quite crap. But it was your first time playing. I was spectacularly crap. I was like, I am am doing a good job of bluffing about how I'm not the imposter. They were like, Alice is the imposter, let's space her. And we had one game that lasted for a total of about two and a half minutes, which I think is probably not very much fun for other people. 
And it reminded me that I don't really like that sort of bluffing game very much um, because, as everyone who will know me knows, I'm not very good at bluffing. I mean, yes. So I was I was trying to work out how to come around to maybe saying that out loud without being <laughs> mean. But yes, um, I think so. For those who haven't heard, um, so Among Us is a a video game that's been out for a while, but has taken off in popularity during lockdown. Um, it is a kind of combination of a top down um, game about spaceships and a social deduction game. Um, the problem with games like Blood on the Clock Tower and Werewolf and The Resistance and other games like that um, when you're playing over video or audio is that obviously when you're not in a room with other people you lose out on a lot of the um, ways that you can tell things about what people are saying from their cues that they're giving you through body language and through facial expressions. And what Among Us does is it replaces the need to do that with a computer game where you can see what people are doing in the computer game and you can infer things about their um, motivations from the things they're doing in a virtual world where you have different cues. And I think that is the reason it has become so staggeringly popular in lockdown, because it is a game which introduces a layer which makes it a lot easier to play it remotely. Um, I think in real life, you'd still probably want to play Werewolf or something similar, although not everyone loves Werewolf. Um, but yes, we were playing that punctuation um, a couple of nights. Um, it was basically third row plus like a lot of the people playing games were third rowers um but like Alison came along sandra bond played with us for a while um and said i know i'm a noob but i just schooled you at one point which was great um <laughs> and like yeah no it was, it was it was actually really good fun um and it turns out if you have a group of about five people playing games eventually that group of people balloons to about 10 or 15 people playing games um even at a virtual convention um but yeah no it was really good um i i sort of I had ambitions of playing more complex games, but <laughs> most nights I'd run out of energy to do anything other than play like little social deduction games, which is not a problem because I love them. I I'm going to suggest to my friends running a very large party in the near future that they take one room of their very large party for a particular game that we all used to play in the bar when we were young, which is charades. Because I believe that Zoom is the perfect environment for playing charades because you can make the person who's doing the charade be on mute. Mm. <laughs> and yes. I, I'm like, you go on mute and, and all of those things where people are trying not to say anything, but they inevitably do. Um, and then everyone else can be guessing and can be not on mute. And the person could jump up and down. And I think I think that will be... Her, I have never tried it, but I am I am going to offer that this is a thing we might try is um and you could use you could use the private chat to to give somebody the name of a thing to charade as well so the the bar version of this game just has whoever guesses the charade gets to do the next one and the person who has just been charading gives the next person something terrible to charade yeah and I, I am quite excited by the prospect for doing this in zoom i think it will be a laugh and also be a social game that does not require any activity and um yeah and because it's charades people can do yeah it'll be funny that's my that's my plan so yeah so caroline you heard it here first i don't know if caroline listens to the show that is my my one big regret is that i did not stay up late enough to play games with you guys but it would have been you would have had to stay up very late i would have i think i would have had to get up very early is more accurate so 
now that people know the format for a convention, we can do things like booking people into the game into run games in the bar. Yeah, the I mean that is something that is something that we definitely could have done. Um, I will say that when we were playing games, this I think it was four a.m. your time, so I don't think it's one of those really awkward times where it's not pleasant from either direction. <laughs> um. Yeah, it doesn't work from either end. The theme music for this episode was Fanfare for Space by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. This podcast will end at the beep. Beep.